Welcome back to Throne Hands. It's me. It's Toby. And Toby and I are in studio. Live in studio today. Yes, we are. Got to turn your mic up a little bit, but we'll we'll get to levels. But anyway, um, quite the card, Toby. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. There weren't a ton of finishes or anything, but I thought overall it was pretty solid top to bottom. And then, of course, that main event, you know, spectacular. Spectacular finish. Um, I'll fix all this audio in post anyway. But... I think we got to start with Brad Katona and Cody Gibson. Uh, Karina Silva start off the night well with a submission of uh, Marina Moros, but we'll, and Andrea Lee lost poetry. So I mean, if you want to talk, I think um, Karina Silva is now four and zero in the UFC. Yes, four she's, subs. She's very good, man. I, I think she has a future. I really yeah. do. She's she's got a bright future in the UFC. Uh, Marina Moreau's she hadn't been finished before that, so no slouch there. I mean, she's been up and down in the UFC, but she's a pretty solid competitor. Yeah, she is. And I think we can sus- expect uh, a number next to Silva's name come tomorrow, or the day you're listening to this, today. Um, Andrew Lee lost. Beautiful. Um, can't believe you date Tony Kelly. That's absurd. Um, not, another good prospect, too, Natalia Silva. Another, Natalia Silva, yeah, yes. She's pretty good. Yeah, lots of good stuff in this. Lots of young talent in that women's flyweight division, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Ever since I saw her get that spinning back kick knockout over that one, I can't remember her name, but she was diving in for the takedown. She just hit her with the heel to the chin. Oh, we got to look that up now. Beautiful. I think it was, um, was it uh, Leonardo? Uh, she was like Russian or Ukrainian. I Blada. Believe. Yeah, Teresa Blada. Teresa Blada. Gosh. Oh, that was sick. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Petrovsky, uh, Mearshart was just a sloppy fight. Uh, there's really not much to talk about there, in my opinion. Yeah, it was back and forth. Definitely pretty sloppy. I thought Petrovsky showed some good moments. Um, he didn't rush in too fast on Mearshart because Mearshart is actually a pretty dangerous guy at times, especially when he's hurt, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, unless he's just put out cold, like he was against Hamzat that one time. Other than that, he can be a very dangerous fighter to try to finish too quickly. And uh, he got knocked down, but Petrovsky kind of weighed it back a little bit, let him get back up. You know, he I thought he looked pretty good, but yeah, it was a bit sloppy for sure. Yeah, especially when you got two good ground guys trying to swing and bang on the feet. Um, that's what happened. Um, but... Bracketona, Cody Gibson. This might be just fight of the year, honestly. They're both getting contracts. I think Dana said Cody Gibson's getting a contract too in the press post fight press conferences. Both guys landed over 160 strikes. Gibson 169, Katona 173. I mean, these two guys just went at it. It was such a close fight. Um and Katona, man, I was impressed. I mean, Cody Gibson in the first round, you know, looked like he had gotten the range uh, down pat, and Katona had a tough time getting in in that first round a little bit. But second and third round, he really turned it on and just kind of negated the range by just staying in the pocket. Yeah, this was definitely one of the best fights I've seen in quite a while. Um, one of the best fights in the history of the Bantamweight division, probably in the history of the Ultimate Fighter finales as well. Um yeah, the pressure was insane from Gibson to start off this fight. It was unbelievable how much he was just pressuring forward on Brad Katana. And what was even more incredible was the fact that Brad Katana was able to avoid that pressure a lot of the time. He was mm-hmm. able to circle out effectively. He was able to stifle his forward movement with you know nice shots to the body, nice jabs, just straight punches that were backing him off. And he's not even a big guy. I mean, Cody Gibson definitely had the height and reach advantage in this one. And Katona was doing so well with his kicks, with long combinations. Yeah, I thought it was a very impressive performance by both of these guys. I think they both deserve contracts in the UFC, so I'm glad that it seems like they're both going to get them. And even if you look at his first run in the UFC, Brad Katona is good. I mean, he's only lost to Marab Devalishvili and Hunter Azure. Yeah. And both those guys are, I mean, Marab, we know, is a monster. And Hunter Azure is actually pretty good as well. So Katona's always been a very solid fighter. He won uh, against Timur Valiev, who was also a very, very good fighter. So he's legit. I mean, he's proven himself already in my eyes. But this was a great fight, great performance by both guys. I just thought that Katona was able to do a little bit more at the end of uh, second and third 
you know, he was able to rock, um, rock him like right near the end, maybe 50 seconds yeah. left. Got Gibson hurt pretty bad in the uh, second round. In the third, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know how he didn't wilt under that pressure. That was very impressive. His cardio must be off yeah. the charts. I mean, Cody Gibson's a huge bantamweight, too. He is, he looked ginormous. I think Katona could cut, uh, if he dieted right, could cut down to 125 if he really wanted to. I mean, yeah. Cody Gibson's a huge bantamweight, but shout out to both of those guys. Incredible fight. It was awesome. Kurt Holobaugh, Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard uh, submits to Kurt Holobaugh in the second round. Holobaugh's transitions were really slick. Uh, it looked like Hubbard rolled right into that triangle, but, I mean, Holobaugh just transitioned beautifully into that, though. Uh, and Hubbard's a tough cat to get out of there, and his grappling is pretty good, too. But shout out Kurt Holobaugh, man. He looked fantastic. Yeah, it was super impressive. I mean, Austin Hubbard... He is very good, like anti wrestling, anti grappling. He's good defensively. He's not so much an offensive powerhouse, really, anywhere, not much of an offensive striker or an offensive grappler, but he's got good defense everywhere. And for Kurt Hallabaugh to finish him in the way that he did was very, very impressive. And especially, like you said, you know, he rolled right into that triangle, but it was Hallabaugh, you know, who locked that triangle yeah. on. He snapped it up beautifully. Um, and even on the feet, I thought he was doing pretty good. I thought his striking looked yeah. fine. Um, people were saying, and rightfully so, that Hubbard would be the better striker in this matchup. But I thought Hullabell actually outstruck him in n- numerous exchanges in this fight. Yeah, 61 to 44 significant strikes in favor of Kurt Hullabell. Just, you look, I don't, th- here's my thing. I think Katona can actually make some headway in Bantamweight, no question. And if he wants to cut down to 125, kudos to him. Yeah. Say, and, but Kurt Hullabell is kind of old. And, like, lightweight is not an old guy's division by any means. No. I think no matter who had won that fight, Hollabaugh or Hubbard, I don't think either of them really had a bright future in the lightweight division, especially in its current iteration. It yeah. is a murderer's row. Stacked. Road, you know? But Brad Katona, I definitely think, if not top 15, he's going to have fun fights no matter what. He's going to be in some very, very interesting matchups. Yeah. And that's really just simply due to the fact that he presses the action. Uh, yeah. he's That's just what he does. So, Yeah. Exciting. And, and for a guy fighting out of uh, John Kavanaugh, fighting out of SPG Ireland, this guy can grapple pretty well, too. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. actually a pretty decent wrestler and yeah. grappler. Um, we do not recommend uh, SPG for if you're looking to train somewhere, guys. Um, yeah. Conor McGregor. Helped Johnny Walker a little bit, uh, but it kind of took away everything that makes him fun. Yeah. So. Um, oh, speaking of John, it's Anthony Smith, Smith Fight Week. Yeah, Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann, the highly awaited rematch. We've all been sitting here with bated breath saying, when are they going to make this rematch? I know all the UFC fans have really been dying for this But one. here's the thing. The fight makes sense again. It does. It does. It so does. you can't argue it, but we'll get into that later. Um, okay, this Gregory Rodriguez knockout was might be one of the most brutal ones of the year. Those elbows were vicious, and he landed only six total sh- strikes and five... And three of those were the elbows that took Tallulah out. Um, people were saying it was the back of the head. I thought it was more at the top of the head. But, like, that was actually, that was violent. That was very violent. Oh, man, that was a brutal finish. And it was really nice to see from Gregory Rodriguez because he has the wrestling. He has the grappling. It's just that he chooses to go in there and stand and bang every single fight. Like, he's standing there with Bruno Ferreira, who is one of the most powerful punchers probably in the whole UFC. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to stand and bang with this guy, gets knocked out cold, right? He could have done this to Bruno Ferreira. I truly believe that he could have just gone in there, shot a couple of takedowns. This one didn't even need to shoot a couple, but against Ferreira, he probably would have. But I think he could have transitioned like this, gotten on top of him, and probably pounded out a victory. And this one, man, I mean, it was violent. It was horrible. It was close to the back of the head. I thought it was you know, right near the ear. I mm-hmm. thought it was fine. It wasn't, I mean, the ref was right on top of it. So if he had saw that it was back of the head, he yeah. would have jumped in but most likely. Was Mark Goddard the ref for that one or Keith Peterson? I think it was one, it was I one can't, of the two. I can't remember who was. I mean, it one. was not a bad, no. yeah. It was, I think the rule states, I think DC was saying, it's also DC, but like an inch of variance. He's like, that's the back of the head. I'm like, yeah, eh, it's, it's, it wasn't the worst back no, that no, I've ever it seen. It wasn't bad. And that second elbow, man, that was clearly to the side of the yeah. head. And that was, Horrible. You could I mean, hear it too. Oh, dude, he was out 
from the moment, probably the first elbow he was out, honestly, but that second one really put him out. <laughs> yeah. And I thought whoever was the ref in that fight did a good job because he was in a position where his hands were still kind of up mm-hmm. and he was sort of, he looked like he yeah. maybe was still conscious, but good on the ref for seeing that he was definitely not conscious. Yeah. He was out cold and good on Rodriguez. That's a huge bounce back win for mm-hmm. him. And I think there's a lot of fun matchups. I think he could actually be a legitimate contender if he incorporates this into his game. Absolutely. And he's a BJJ world champion, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if he wants to be violent, just take him down and beat him up. Yeah. Don't don't swing and bang with these guys because you're not going to... You're not going to swing and bang with Izzy or Bobby no. Knuckles. I'm, like You can get away with it with Julian Marquez, but Julian Marquez is not going to be a top 15 or top 10 fighter in yeah. the UFC middleweight division. Shout out Julian Marquez, man. He came on the podcast a few years back. Hey, I have nothing against the oh, guy. Oh, yeah. we lo- Watch the interview. It's hilarious. Great fighter. Great guy, I'm sure. Yeah. he's Julian Marquez's grappling is underrated, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he has some great submissions. But Chris Weidman, t- Brad Tavares, bro. Uh, Chris Weidman should just... Hang it up. I, 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 there's. He got leg kicked to death by Brad Tavares, and Brad Tavares has been over the hill for years. Um, Chris Wyman, I know he's like, oh, I'm gonna get the belt again. No, you're not. I'm I, I, to, just to be blunt. And you couldn't get Brad Tavares down. I know Brad Tavares is an athletic freak, so it's hard to get him down, regardless. But you're not. You're not gonna get any higher than you already are. So there's no point in continuing if you're Chris Wyman, in my opinion. Yeah, at the end of the fight, I think it was John Anik who was like, we really hope to see Weidman back in here again. No. I was like, no, who is we? I don't think any <laughs> <Yeah>. actual <laughs> UFC fan, unless they're like a sadist, wants to see uh, Chris Weidman back in the UFC. I mean, this guy, he has been washed for a very long time. Um, he had a great career, too. Don't get me wrong. He is one of my favorite fighters to watch. In his prime, he was a world beater, beat Silva twice, beat Machida, beat Vitor. He's a great fighter. TRT Vitor. Yeah, TRT Vitor. And he was a very athletic wrestler. He actually, he could check leg kicks, obviously. I mean, he checked the leg kick against Anderson and broke his leg. So this guy is a good uh, checker of leg kicks. But Tavares knew that he was compromised coming into this one. And maybe, you know, let's say his leg did recover. You're still, you're going to be compromised always when you have that bad of a break of your leg. So he was at least somewhat compromised coming into this fight. Tavares knew that. He had a good game plan. He battered his legs. I mean, I'm not saying the fight should have been stopped, but I just, there really was no shot that Weidman was going to win that one, especially after he had taken like 20 or 30 leg kicks. And he just wasn't getting the takedowns that he needed. And Tavares, I actually learned this after the fight, has like a near 90% takedown defense in the UFC. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is pretty insane considering this guy has fought, I don't know, 20 times in the UFC. I mean, yeah, I think Yo Romero's the only one to take him down. Yeah, he has incredible takedown defense. So that's something I should have picked up on before the fight. But yeah, if I had known that, I would have said like Tavares 100% was going to win. And I thought it was a good performance, but I will say it's good relatively because it's up against Chris Weidman. Yeah. Like if he had done this to Drakus Duplessis when they fought, I'd be like, oh, wow, that's actually, that's really impressive. But, you know, up against Chris Weidman, who's 40, who just destroyed his leg two years ago and had a huge layoff, it's, you know, you should be doing mm-hmm. that. to Chris, That's my point. You should be doing stuff like that to Chris Weidman. Yeah, and that's sad to say. Yeah. Um, Cheeto versus Pedro Munoz. Um, I thought Cheeto looked pretty good in this fight. I know people find him boring. I don't get it. Um, Cheeto's just more precise with the shots, and his jab this fight was phenomenal. He busted up Pedro Munoz with that jab. Um, And Cheeto has great kicks, too, and I thought he looked pretty good. And Pedro Munoz is a dog. He's going to be in every fight you put him in competitively. If you put him up against Piotr Jan, I honestly think it'd be a competitive fight. So if you, it's, and then you know, does Cheeto get the title shot after this? I think if the U for money, yes, give Cheeto the title shot for res, like an actual respectable thing. Don't give it to Murad right now. He he was too much of a weenie to fight uh, Aljo, his friend. You fight who's put in front of you. I don't care. So I think Sandhagen is the next guy up, and I understand Sandhagen has a little bit of surgery, but who knows. But anyway, we'll get more to that when we get to the main event. But I think both these guys look good. I think Cheeto, it was a solid comeback fight for Cheeto after that loss against Sandhagen. Yeah, it wasn't 
the most incredible, you know, blood and guts war you'll ever see. But it was a good fight. And I thought Cheeto did look much better than he has in a lot of his previous fights. Even in fights that he's won by knockout, I think that he looked better in this fight simply because he was more active in this fight. Like you said, his jab was working very well throughout the fight. He was using kicks effectively. Uh, you know, he, he, he used his skills well. And he does have a somewhat limited skill set, but he used them effectively. And Pedro Munoz is a very tough guy, not someone that you're just going to get out of there with one shot. And I think he knew that. And, ho- you know, hopefully he was game planning for that and said, all right, I have to pick up the pace a little bit more. I can't just go in there and plan to do what I did to Dominic Cruz or Rob Font because you can't do that to a guy like Pedro unless you land the absolute perfect shot and you can't bank on landing the perfect shot in a fight. And so I was very glad to see him be more active. I thought... It was a pretty clear, you know, unanimous decision. You know, could have been three nothing, could have been two one. I think it was definitely mm-hmm. a clear win for Cheeto. I'm not sure where both these guys go from here. It wasn't a performance where I was like, man, you know, this guy definitely deserves a title shot now. Consider, you know, Pedro Munoz was the number ten guy, so Cheeto was fighting down. It wasn't a finish. It wasn't really too dominant. So I get that O'Malley wants the Cheeto rematch. They want to do it right away because there's always a shot that. They could both lose their next fight. They don't want to wait too long to do the rematch. But realistically, there are several contenders that yeah. deserve it more than Cheeto. Yeah. Not that he gets Cheeto, but there are just people above him that deserve it yeah. more. And we'll talk about that when we get to the main event, um, who, what, who Sean O'Malley should really fight next. Um, there's not much to talk about in this fight. Bautista won it. You know, I think he won the last two rounds, grappled uh, Demond Blackshear. I think if he didn't have to cut weight weeks back to back, he would have won this fight. Shout out to Demond Blackshear. That's a tough thing to do, but I, I don't think he loses this fight if he had a month to prepare. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I thought he won the fight when I first watched it. I yeah, thought it was a close, it was close. one. Man. It was very close. I mean, I, I'm not one to say any fight is a robbery for the most part, but you know, I don't think this one was a robbery. No. It was a very close fight. I just think that personally, I thought Demond did a little bit more. I thought he uh, should have got the victory here, but I'm not. You know, I'm okay with Bautista winning. He was pressing the action a lot of the time. He was going for takedowns. I just thought that Demond Blackshear did a really good job of stuffing those takedowns, yeah. reversing the positions, and clinching him up against the cage, getting takedowns of his own, landing some decent shots from top uh, position. I thought he. The most impressive thing to me about this fight was that, like you mentioned, he cut weight last week because he had a fight last week and he won by Twister, which is very impressive. And then a week later, he cuts weight again and he doesn't gas out. Like he was able to retain his cardio over 15 minutes, by the way, of a grueling fight, not a, oh, we're going to stand there and look at each other fight. It was actually much more grueling than even a striking matchup because they were grappling the whole time. The fact that he did not gas out in this fight was highly impressive. I think both these guys have a solid future ahead of them, but I think Damon Blackshear might have impressed me even more than Mario Bautista. Yeah, like I I think he would have dominated the fight, like I said, if they they had given him a month. And the way he his transitions were great because like you said, Bautista tried to take him down and he reversed position a lot. Blackshear, I think he has a real future in that bantamweight, that stacked bantamweight division. I think he could be really good. Bantamweight just keeps getting better and better. I mean, the UFC just keeps getting better and better in general with all this talent. Like, who's 15? Uh, Diego Fajeda is 15 at lightweight. And if you look at featherweight, um, Barbosa, Edson Barbosa, I know he's older, is at 14. But we saw what he did to Billy Q, man. He's still, Ugh. he can still knock people out. Yeah, and then, yeah, Billy Q is a great fighter as well. And then, you know, go to bantamweight. I mean, yeah, this is Chris Gutierrez is 15. I think Chris Gutierrez is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but is Neil Magny, Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary, rather, um, the man with the, the 26-year-old with the 40-year-old wife. Um, interesting. It's, it is interesting. Um, but he has a kid. They have a kid. They're happy. But he has a cute yeah. kid. They're happy. Yeah. Um, he, she was in high school when he was born. Wow. That's crazy to think about. That's a little weird. But, yeah. But, we're not going to question it. They're both adults, um, just like Toby and I are, right? Yes, <laughs> correct. But Ian Gary won the fight off that first leg kick, toasted Neil Magny the rest of the fight, and it was just, that was brutal. That was a beatdown. And people are like, oh, he didn't get Neil Magny out of there. Who cares? That was, a, that was as convincing of a win as it gets, even without knocking him out or submitting him. And Neil, Ma- he made Neil Magny chase him on his butt. Like, you can't ask for much more than that from me and Gary, man. I don't know. What do you have to say? 
Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, that was a that was an embarrassing performance from Neil Magny. Horrible. I was really I'm shocked at this point. Maybe I'm not shocked because when we were talking about this before, I was talking about how I just haven't been impressed with Neil Magny because he hasn't evolved. And all this time in the UFC, having probably the most fights and most wins in the welterweight division in the UFC, and this guy has not evolved as a fighter. This happened years and years ago when he fought Lorenz Larkin. If you've ever seen that fight, Larkin destroys this guy's legs. Pretty much the same exact thing that Ian Gary did. And somehow... A decade later, basically, Neil Magny still has not learned, okay, I need to pick my leg up. I need to move in and out of distance so that I can withdraw from where the leg kick is going to land. I need to switch stances. Why in the world did this guy not switch stances just one time? I mean, he would switch stances for a half second and then go right back, and then he would get slammed with a leg kick. I do not understand how Neil Magny has not evolved his game at this point in his career. Now, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Ian Gary. Lots of credit to him. It was great. a great performance. He looked fantastic. Um, you know, he just beat him up. I mean, I thought it was uh, good that he was landing the light kick and then going to the front kick. He was going to the body and to the head. He landed a really nice front kick to the head uh, in the third round and rocked Neil a little bit. Um, he was landing beautiful combinations. He's always so fun to watch when he lets his hands flow. When he starts going body head with those hooks to the body and then hooks to the head, he throws beautiful combinations. I thought he probably could have pursued the finish a little bit more, but to be fair, he was going pretty hard after Magny, and Magny's a tough guy. And I think also, too, and this is just speculation on my part, but I think Ian might have wanted to just beat him up. I wouldn't I, be surprised I, either. I mean, at the end of the fight, he was you know flipping Neil the bird, he was still really angry, so I truthfully think that he might have just wanted to damage him as much as possible and not get that finish yeah. because he wanted to put the hurt on him. I, I really don't know what the lore is with Magny and Gary, but I will say um, I'm pretty sure Magny's last couple opponents have both been out of uh, Ian Gary's camp, uh, Gilbert Sanford. Burns and Phil Rowe. So yeah, I mean I don't know what they've got going on at Sanford, <laughs> and I don't know what they have against uh, Magny, but you know, yeah. Great know, performance man. by Ian Gary. So, and, what, so what do you do with Ian Gary? Um, I think I, Thompson's going to fight Kamar Usman. Yeah, um, that's not it's not pen to paper, but it's going to happen. I think Vicente Luque is a great next step. Yeah, Vicente Luque is a fun one for sure. Um, Sean Brady. I mean, if but if Sean Brady gets him to the ground, it's it's over. But why not just rebook the Jeff Neal fight? Yeah, you could definitely do the Jeff Neal one. And, uh, and I think Shavkat does terrible things to him. Yeah. No, I think if he faces a really dominant wrestler, he definitely loses. I do think that he could do all right against someone with, you know, decent wrestling, but against a guy like Shavkat, yeah, I think he's yeah, going to be in a lot I of trouble. Gilbert Burns needs a return fight after a shoulder sh surgery. That that would be a big step up for sure. That would be a huge step up. But, but if they're trying to push Ian Gary, I think that's the move to make if you're the UFC. Do you think they would fight each other, being in the same camp and everything? I mean... Usman and Burns fought. I know Usman still trains at Sanford, but he does his training camps out in Colorado. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting uh, prospect, I guess. But we'll see, man. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Neil Magny or JDM, maybe he's fighting Kevin Holland. Oh yeah, I always forgot. I was gonna say having Kevin Holland too, but I, they're fighting each other. So oh, that dude, I can't. that's a great that's matchup. A, that September sixteenth is gonna be awesome. Um, all right, co-main event, Zhang Wei Li versus Mondo Lemos. There was, T Toby, do you have your phone on you? I do. What's 296 minus 29? Oh, boy. We're going to calculate I, I the wish strike I could, differential. I wish I could do this in my head. Oh, it's um, 267. 267. I was just about to say that. <laughs> um, I just didn't feel like doing it in my head. I've had a long week. Um, but... And that, is, I believe, is the biggest strike differential in a women's MMA fight. Um, this fight could have been stopped multiple times, I thought. There's one point in the fifth where Zhang Weili was going ham when she was on Lemos's back, and there's one point in the fifth. There's a couple points in the fifth where I wouldn't blame, uh, I think it was Keith Peterson for stopping the fight. Um, Zhang Weili is that good, man. I don't, there's no weakness in her game. After that uh, Rose Namajunas loss in the rematch, I, she looked... Her wrestling just leveled up. She keeps getting better and better with each fight. She outclassed Lemosh at every turn. And Lemosh only had 24 significant strikes the whole fight. And it's less than five around. So that you 
to, to beat Zhang Weili, you got it. You got to hide behind your jab. Um, that's that's a key to almost every fight, honestly, but especially with Zhang Weili because she gets in the pocket, your toast, and that fifth round knockdown, I thought it was over, honestly. Zhang, who beats Zhang Weili, man? What were your thoughts on her performance? I thought it was one of the best performances I've seen in quite some time. Phenomenal. It was really incredible. I mean, the fact that she landed nearly 300, that was strikes, not significant strikes, right? So, uh, yeah. Significant strikes. strikes was still Significant was ridiculous. 163. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she landed that many strikes against such a dangerous opponent in Lamosh and only, you know, 30 on the return, 29 on the return, yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. And I, Crazy. And you mentioned Ian Gary. He won that fight basically off the first leg kick against Magny. I think that Zhang Wei Li won this fight off the first kick um, against Lamos because Lamos, whatever happened, she was on one leg. And uh, Wei Li, I don't even know if she meant to or not, but she kicked out that leg and just pounced on her. As soon as she fell to her back, she pounced on top of Lamos and didn't let her up. That was like maybe a minute or two into the fight. And the whole rest of the round, she beat her up badly. Like, she was very active on top. That was something really impressive um, about this fight, was that the whole time that she was on top of her, there was no moment for Lamos to even recover. Or, like, she did a good job of reclaiming guard a lot of the time, reclaiming half guard after getting mounted a couple of times or getting her back taken. Um, but for the most part, Wei Lee was just pounding her the whole time, just beating her up the whole fight. Uh, it was really impressive. Um, her striking looked good. There were a few sketchy moments, I will say. She got tagged with like a huge elbow, if I remember yeah. correctly, by Lamos. I thought I thought she was about to get dropped. I mean, really, she got yeah. hit pretty hard from that. But for the most part, she stayed very clean in her striking. She used the wrestling really well to stifle any pressure that Lamos was trying to bring on her. Anytime Lamos would overextend herself, try to pressure forward and implement her game plan, Wei Li would just take her down and put her on her back. And her kicks look great. She's always had good kicks. She always follows up really well with body kicks, with leg kicks, with head kicks. She's just a great, great fighter everywhere. Um, I think part of the reason why she is that good is because she trains with, you know, Cejudo. I, I know yeah. she trained with for a while. She trains with a bunch of different camps and gets a lot of different looks. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, the question who beats her, I don't know. Truthfully, at this point, because if Rose is going to stay moved up at flyweight, you know, so that matchup is gone. Lamos was probably the number one or number two uh, contender, even though I think she was like five on paper. But realistically, she's probably number one or number two. So outside of that, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know, man. Um, she uh, fights out of Bang Tao in Thailand. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, her trainers are um, great. And she's, she seemed, oh, and, English-speaking Zhang Weili is a whole nother animal. A mythical I, fighter. I love it. What's up, Boston? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's cute. She's she's just fun, man. Yeah, um, no, that's another thing that makes Zhang Weili such a great champion and such a uh, fun fighter to root for is because she's just a good person. She's very nice, genuine, wholesome person. You don't see many people like that in the UFC, even on the female side. You don't see many fighters who are just down-to-earth, nice people, and she really is. And yeah. She's almost universally beloved. Yeah. Uh, when she said, my name's Zhang Weili. I come from China. Do you remember me? And I wrote, yeah. Like, you, you can't hate her. No. There's nothing to hate about her. Rose, okay. Pat Barry, there's a couple other things. But um, you should hate Pat Barry, guys. Um, yeah, Rose may be a bit cringe sometimes. I will say Rose yeah. is a little cringe. She's the best. But I'm the best. She is very good. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just don't uh, like Pat Barry, okay, guys? Um, Zhang Weili, phenomenal performance. Who should she fight next, man? No one's really come out the woodwork. Yeah, I mean, Lemos beat Marina Rodriguez, and I was you know, pretty high on Marina Rodriguez, but she's out of the question. Yan Xiaonan, man. Yeah, Yan Xiaonan, that would be, oh my gosh, do that in China. They really, they've been talking about it for years and years. We're going to build up the Chinese MMA scene. We're going to put a PI in China. Have her fight Yan Xiaonan. That is a huge, huge fight. I mean, absolutely massive fight. Do I'm it. down for it. Do it, guys. That, that, that's the fight. Where Where is Dern ranked at? Dern's ranked sixth, and she's fighting um, Andrade. Oh, interesting. Dern's ranked eighth. What was her last? She lost her last fight, right? She lost. No, she beat uh, Angela Hill. Oh, oh yeah. No, that was a good fight. But Angela Hill, you know, I mean, up and down. She's like five hundred. She's tough, but <laughs> yeah. I've never she she's come so she's if she's if she took every split decision 
she'd be like top 10 oh top, for sure top seven but just hasn't gone her way yeah all right bantamweight title main event leading Aljamain Sterling uh Sean O'Malley nothing going in that first round um second round Sean O'Malley I mean why Aljamain Sterling blitzed in there is beyond me why would you go in there like that against such an affluent striker like Sean O'Malley just for him to uncork an overhand right after he slips past your left hand and you go you get fa you face plant first and then Sean O'Malley I was impressed by his ground and pound because he really avoided the guard of Aljamain Sterling and he just kept throwing his legs to the side and avoiding his legs and he was very he didn't waste anything in that ground and pound that's that's the thing I noticed the most and his strikes were very precise and Mark Goddard stepped in there and Al I don't think Aljamain even threw a strike back, except maybe an up kick or two. Um, Joe Rogan was like, I don't, uh, you know, you got to give the champion a chance. He wasn't defending the shots. He wasn't defending anything in there. Um, so Sean O'Malley won that belt fair and square. Um, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal performance by Sean O'Malley. Phenomenal. Yeah, that was one of the most beautiful pull counters you will ever see. Um, he got out of the way of that punch from Aljo by an inch by less than an inch and then he landed the perfect counter i mean he landed right on aljo's chin face planted him it was an incredible knockout and i think we were all a little bit surprised by it i wasn't shocked per se you know a lot of people were thinking aljo was going to come in here and ragdoll this guy and there were obviously were a lot of people who were very high on o'malley too thinking that this would happen i was kind of in the middle a little bit but i was definitely impressed i mean it, it was unbelievable to see i think that first round He's one of those fighters who he doesn't waste rounds. He makes a lot of reads in the fight. And I think that first round he was picking up that Aljo wanted to pressure forward, but he just, he didn't want to get too aggressive, right? And I think Sean was trying to figure out how he could draw that forward pressure from him. And so he did a lot of great work with lateral movement. I mean, if this is a masterclass on lateral movement. Anybody who wants to see how to avoid pressure, just watch Sean O'Malley go left, right, left, right, over and over, in, out, in, out. I mean, this guy was all over the octagon. And I th he talked about how he's been training in a smaller octagon. And when he got into this big cage, he was just relieved because he, he had so much more space to move around. So he was really trying to draw Aljo forward. And he also landed a lot of good front kicks to the body. And that's one of his best weapons is that front kick to the body where you just push them away from you. And I think it's almost like a natural thing where if you throw that kick and push someone away from you like that, they want to come back into range. And I think sometimes they almost overdo it. And I'm not you know, sure that's exactly what happened, but Aljo, uh, yeah, it was weird that he lunged in with that shot. I mean, way... Very errant. Yeah, he was completely off balance, completely out of position. And he just got hit with a beautiful counter. Like you mentioned, too, I'm not sure what Rogan was on because that was a perfectly justified stoppage. After Aljo face-planted onto all fours... That could have stopped there. I mean, yeah, you could have stopped it there when his head slammed off the canvas. And then the first four shots that O'Malley landed, he was out. I mean, you could see it in Aljamain Sterling's eyes. You could see it in his reactions, his bodily reactions. He was out. So you could have stopped it right there. I think... He got a chance. Like Rogan was like, we got to give him a chance to fight. He did get his chance. He got plenty of chances. And, and then he got hit like 10 times unanswered in the face. So I'm not sure what he was thinking on that one. But as soon as he turned over, and that's what happens in a lot of fights. If you're on your back, you're trying to roll, you're trying to move, a lot of times the ref will let it go. But as soon as you turn over and you start shelling up, that's just a bad look. Yeah. And it was a perfectly justified stoppage. I know there are a lot of O'Malley haters out there. I'm not necessarily an O'Malley fanboy, but I will say I've been saying this guy's legit for a while. I thought he won the Piotr Jan fight. I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but I have been saying for a while that Sean O'Malley has a lot of potential. He's a very, very good striker, regardless of what your opinion of him is. I think he's, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be champion for a long time. Certainly not till 2035. Like he no. said. I think he was kind of being a bit facetious there, but yeah, I think he's probably going to lose you know, I would favor Corey. I would probably favor Marab. But, I mean, I'm not going to take any shine away from this guy. He beat a great champion. I don't think the best bantamweight of all time, personally, but one of the best bantamweights yes. of all time, certainly. I mean, Aljo is top three, probably. You know, if uh, top five, if not top three. Yeah. So, it's a great win for Sean O'Malley. And it's great for the UFC because this guy is going to be a moneymaker. If they do make the Cheeto fight, and we can talk about that now if you want. Yeah, let's talk about it. If, if they do make the Cheeto fight... That's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views. Yeah, they have, they have to make the Cheeto fight. 
as much as I don't agree with Cheeto being the next guy, as much as I love Cheeto, I'm a big Cheeto guy, um, you have to make that fight. You have to make that fight. You can't risk that going away. And first off, I'd punish Marab for not fighting Aljo. I don't care. I really don't. Um, Cejudo's not ready. Corey Sandhagen's having surgery, or he's had surgery on his tricep. Piotr Jan doesn't deserve a title shot right now, as much as I love Piotr Jan. Rob Font got demolished by Cheeto. So, I honestly, Cheeto's not that bad of a logical next step, especially if you have them. Look at this through Dana White's lens. Does he want to put Marab in the chip? No. Especially, uh, well, and he's even criticized Marab, like, you, you need to fight the next guy up. Because Marab has been the number one contender for a while, and he just fought down. So don't give it to Marab. I don't care. Um, he Marab doesn't deserve the title fight, in my opinion. Uh, after the punishment of giving Vera the fight, I think Duwash really is a great next option. Um, I don't know. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, I've put a lot of thought into it in recent days. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly who should be next. Like you mentioned, Sanhagen is either getting surgery or he had surgery, so he's probably not going to be ready for quite some time. Cejudo is injured, so he's going to be out for a while. Jan is crazy because this guy was champion. I mean, he was like, what, number three, number four pound for pound in the world for a while, and now he's not even in the conversation for title shots, which rightfully so. I mean, he has lost several fights in a row, and they've been very close, but you know, with the exception of the Marab fight. Yeah, with Marab... I don't know. I, I can't say exactly where I fall on him fighting Aljo because I do understand they've been training partners for like a decade at this point. And I get that they don't want to fight each other because of that. But at some point, you're just holding up the division. Like if you have one guy who's champion and then your teammate is the number one contender, well, either you have to move to a different division or you have to fight each other. There's really, yeah. you can't just stay there in that uh, limbo saying like, well, we're just going to keep training together, not fighting each other. No, you have to do something. You have to move a weight class or something. So, yeah, with all those options kind of going to the wayside, maybe Cheeto is the next guy in line. And if you look at the history of the UFC, I mean, when Michael Bisping became champion over Luke Rockhold, they gave this dude Dan Henderson. Wasn't he the 12th ranked contender? 13. He was He was the 13, 13th ranked contender, and he was like 44 years old. And he was coming off a win over Hector Lombard. Hector who, Lombard. Who was a great fighter at one point. Was. Just not at that point. Uh, Hector Lombard was not a great fighter when Dan Henderson beat him. And to be fair to Dan Henderson, he knocked down Bisping twice in that fight. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, I mean... All things considered, I think Cheeto is not the worst option. Um, it's clearly the best fight for the UFC to make. It's the best fight for Sean because I would definitely favor Sean O'Malley in that matchup. I think out of all the contenders, out of Cejudo, Marab, Sanhagen, all the rest of them, I think Cheeto is the most favorable matchup for him. And even though Cheeto did beat him the first time, and he, you know he does have good leg kicks, he's a quick uh, you know puncher and kicker. But I just think O'Malley has evolved. Uh, a lot since that fight I think he's much better at avoiding the leg kicks I think he is far too accurate he has a, he's not the most um doesn't throw the most volume but he'll definitely outpoint Cheeto in my yeah. opinion so I think that's a fairly favorable matchup to him yeah and I don't know you make the point that you know Cheeto might be a favorable matchup and I can't stand when people say that was a fluke like stop guys that wasn't Cheeto destroyed him um, and the thing here's the thing with Cheeto. I think he has a good chance against O'Malley simply due to the fact that he's patient, and he's not he's not going to just swing and bang with O'Malley. If you know if, if he and Cheeto's a big bantamweight too. Don't he he dwarfed Frank Yeager. Um, like if Cheeto wants to just stand behind his jab again, I, and he you know if he's successful. He could beat O'Malley, and if it goes to the ground, I, I favor Cheeto on the ground for sure. His ju I think his jiu-jitsu is underrated. Um, but that's a... No, that's a good point that you make. I mean, if you look at the Pedro Munoz, Munoz fight, that's kind of what happened, where Pedro, he can get reckless. He can get wild in there, but he can also be very cerebral in a fight. He can also wait back and be patient. We've seen that in many of his recent fights where he doesn't uh, overextend himself. So... That's what kind of happened with Pedro versus Sean in the like the two rounds that that fight did go on. So that could be something that Cheeto does if he stays patient in there. We could see a similar fight to that. Yeah, it's bantamweight's fun right now, man. Um, I'm, man, that's so exciting. It's a great division. I've said for a while I do believe that bantamweight is a better division than lightweight. I know that's crazy. Lightweight is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I think featherweight's better than lightweight too. 
Yeah, it's close, man. It's very close. I just think bantamweight, the level of fights that these guys have, I mean, they are fighting on such a high level. Lightweight sometimes, you know, you have a lot of the guys who hang around the top five who probably shouldn't be there, you know. You know, there are probably some younger guys, some newer guys that should be in the top five. And don't get me wrong, they have fun fights with each other, but not to the same skill level, in my opinion, as the bantamweights do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move to some news. Um, uh, uh, Chris Dawkins got cut, guys. I'm sad. I love Chris Dawkins, um, but his chin's gone. Um, got absolutely uh, zapped by everyone he faced lately. I feel bad for him, man. I, I, I really do. And it's not even just because I like Chris Dox. You have to feel for the guy. He went up against a murderous row of contender of uh contenders. You got you start off with Derek Lewis. I mean, don't you have to like put yourself in bubble wrap if you want to fight that guy. Then he got knocked out bad by Curtis Blades. And then he got knocked out bad by Jarzinho Rosenstrike. And then Clear Roundtree just sent him he sent like he always does, just puts pe- people in a different place. Do I think he should have gotten cut? Personally, no. But do I understand why they may have cut him? Yes. I don't know, man. That it's just disappointing. That's all I can say, really. No, yeah, it, it is. It's sad. I'm. I think for his health, it's probably good that he got yeah. cut. Just uh, being honest, I mean, I, you know, Dominic Reyes could probably end up going that way too. Just because these guys, when you get knocked out that many times in a row, and it's as violent as these knockouts are, like you see these knockouts that Chris Dawkins has suffered, and it is atrocious. I mean, he's getting knocked out badly. Not like, oh, he was fighting back. No. I mean, this guy has been put out, you know, he's a good fighter. He's a well-rounded guy. He's got good grappling. He's got decent striking. He's a quick, lean fighter. But yeah, his chin is just gone at this point. And they gave him like the four most powerful guys left in the UFC, yeah. basically. So, yeah, I don't know if they just hate it, Chris Dawkins or whatever. Yeah, but Chris, he's a great fighter, and it's not. I mean, you and I, I think you and I like Chris Dawkins more than the average, you know, UFC, uh, and probably a lot more than some hardcores. But his boxing is crisp. Uh, yeah, you, you just, they just put him up against a murderer's row. I mean, he came in, he won, what, four straight fights in the UFC? Yeah, let me, it, he was a fun guy to watch. He had a lot of potential. And it was cool because him and his brother were in at the same time. They were both doing pretty well. And now we see, you know, his brother has also suffered some yeah. pretty rough losses. Yeah, so he fought Parker Porter to come in. Now, Parker Porter's kind of changed a bit. Yeah, Parker Porter's not bad, man. Yeah. Right. Um, then he fought uh, Rodrigo uh, Nascimento. Uh, you know he's not horrible. Decent, he's decent. not he's not a bum. Uh, knocked out Alexei Olenek, who's fought eight quadrillion times. Yeah. Um, not he, a good striker, but dangerous. A dangerous guy. Seventy nine uh, fights. Yeah, Alexei. Uh, so it's Jim, and like forty five uh, submission. He put on a clinic against Shamil Abdurahimov. Yeah, and absolutely go back and watch that, and it'll show what Toby and I are talking about very well. Chris boxing incredibly quick. His power isn't amazing, but he can pepper you with two, three shots, and you're you're out of there. Yeah, and Shamil is tough. He's a tough guy. He's hard to get out of there, and uh, Doc has put him out. Yeah, beautiful performance. Um, and then, you know, lost the Lewis Blades, Rosen Strike, and Cleo Roundtree. Disappointing as hell. Um, man, I, I, I got kind of disappointed when I saw that. Um, what's his face? Uh, Manel, uh, Kaikar France is out of his next fight. Oh, I didn't even see that. Uh, concussion. Wow. Uh, Manel Cop was like, you have three weeks to recover. Uh, no, no. Come on, man. Now, I don't blame Manel Cop for feeling that way simply due to the fact that he's had four opponents withdraw in his past five bookings. I don't blame him, but dude, you can't mess around with a concussion. Oh, no. I mean, that's tough for Manel Cop. And I I like Manel Cop. He is a very exciting fighter. He's been. I love him. He was a great prospect even before the UFC when he was fighting in Ryzen. This guy is super exciting. He is a he's a finisher at flyweight, which is pretty rare. Um, he's got really incredible striking, and he's got a very underrated ground game too. But yeah, you can't expect someone like, oh, I just got a concussion. I'm gonna fight three weeks from now. Come on, man. And I mean, he debuted against Pantoja. Yeah, and then he lost to Nicolau uh, by split decision. I mean, his strength of schedule is crazy. Yeah, so his, far the and then uh, Oday Osborne, who's really good. Uh, Zagas, uh, the bet, mo, bet the most split decisions probably yeah. in the history of the. And then he, you know, uh, demolished David Dvorak. Um, yeah, Manel Kopp is phenomenal. And his losses are uh, Kaya Asakura, 
Kyoji Horiguchi and Oka Sasaki. And Horiguchi, he's he's, re- he's one of the, one of the best fighters that's not in the UFC. And probably he he fought Kyoji Horiguchi moved up and fought for the bantamweight title in uh, Bellator. So. Oh, yeah, and Kyoji, if anyone's seen him get knocked out by Sergio Pettis, you might get the idea like, oh, man, you know, he got knocked out by Sergio, whatever. He won every round of that fight yes. up until he got knocked out. Now, of course, you can always say, oh, this guy was winning until he wasn't. But truthfully, he did win every round of that fight. He was looking phenomenal, and he got caught. It happens. But Kyoji Horiguchi is an absolute animal. He's he's ex- an extraordinary fighter. Um, Yeah, Kyoji Horiguchi's phenomenal. I... And he also fought Mighty Mouse for the flyweight. Like, he's a legend. He's he's an absolute legend. So and his losses are um, uh, Matt Matt Sak. Ooh, okay, I'm gonna get this. Masakatsu Ueda. Um, just you know, he has a Wikipedia page, so there's some note. Um, Mighty Mouse, uh, Kai Asakura, uh, Sergio Pettis, and Patchy Mix are um, yeah, not bad losses. Horiguchi's losses. And he's only 32 still. So, wow, that is I did not know that. So yeah, Manel Cop is way older than Manel Cop is a savage. Yeah, um, that point being exactly. Um, are they looking for someone to come in? And they fight got uh, a, a newcomer, Felipe Dos Santos. That's crazy. I mean, this guy, I don't know. He did, dude. He, he must be incredible on the regional scene for them to pull him up to fight Manel Cop. I mean, that is ridiculous. Dude. Yeah, I would be like. Angry. I mean, man, Manel Cop is like on the cusp of breaking into the top five, and they're like, "We'll just have this guy who's never fought in the UFC come." It's and just fight like him. it's it's the same. It's like it's like Chris Moutinho coming in to fight Sean O'Malley. Why would you do that? Yeah, and I don't think O'Malley was even ranked. Was he like like fringe top fifteen at the time? This is like a top guy in the division. Yeah, it's like that guy they had that uh, came and fought JDM. It's like, oh yeah, what business does this guy have? Yeah, being in the octagon yeah, right now. You know, JDM cut weight. Back to back weeks, yeah. Uh, so that I don't think that you'd agree with me. That, that performance is not reflective oh, of no. how good JDM is. And we'll see that against Kevin Hall and how. Oh yeah, for sure. How that works. I'm excited for that fight. Yeah, um, great matchup. Yeah, I think Aljamain would have gotten absolutely demolished by Volkanovski. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think Volk, though, to be fair to Aljo, I think Volk beats almost everybody in the weight class below or even like two above him personally. I mean, Volkanovsky is such a crafty, innovative guy. He studies film more than almost anybody. He knows every trick. And you know what's crazy about it is that he wasn't even a lifelong martial artist. He was a guy that was competing in rugby for many years of his life and then transitioned to MMA. So I I do think Volk would win the fight against Aljo. I just think that he would win against almost anybody. With yeah. the exception, I guess, of Islam, but it's a very—I mean—that was a close fight. That was a fifty-fifty. It really just depends on, you know, what your opinion of that fight was. It could have gone either way. True, like really, could have gone gone either way. Yeah, Michelle Pereira moving up to middleweight to fight Mark Andre Barriol. Uh, shout out to Michelle Pereira for making that move. Yeah, probably should have after missing weight by like four pounds. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so that's probably a smart move. I mean, that's an interesting matchup. Mark Andre Barriol, if I remember, he's a decent wrestler. You know, he's got good grappling, not so much a wrestler like a traditional wrestler, but he's got pretty decent grappling. So that could be an interesting matchup for Pereira. Although I do think he's probably just gonna knock yeah, him out. I, I agree. Imagine. That that's probably what's just gonna happen. Um, I hope they book Taporia and Volk soon for the end of the year. Oh man, yeah. They they got to get Volk another fight soon. They got to get Taporia another fight soon. So why not have them fight each other? That's the fight that makes sense. When you 50-44 a guy or no, 50-42. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you 50-42 a guy, even if it's Josh Emmett who I think is a bit overrated, yeah, that, that's still incredibly impressive. And Josh Emmett, even though I do think he's a bit overrated, is by no means a bum. He's, he's not, not a, a bad fighter at all. And Taporia absolutely destroyed him. And there's really no other contender at this point that makes a ton of sense. I mean, even if Max beats, well, when Max beats Korean Zombie, I really don't think that that would be the best fight to make. Just because, what does that prove? Oh, yeah, you beat up Korean Zombie. Well, join the club, man. Everybody's yeah. been beating up Korean yeah. Zombie for many years now. So Yeah. Oh, dude, why are they making this I, mean, I, I guess we'll get into that in the next episode. Yeah, but man. Why are, why are they make that? That's, that's, that's inhumane. Oh, it's terrible. It's horrible. We got to look at the odds on that fight. I, I think last time I checked, it was minus 850 for Holloway. Minus 850. I think so. Put everything you want on Max Holloway if you decide to bet this fight. 
Yeah, I mean the odds. You know, you're not going to get much back, but it's basically a guaranteed win. This is a this is a great card. It's good. Yeah, I mean Junior Tafa Parker Porter opening up the main card. Then you got Blanchfield versus Santos. The fight I'm looking forward to most is Caceres and Giga. That's really yes. That's that, that's like the main event for me. I would say if they could make that the main event, make Blanchfield and Santos the co-main, and then because like Span and Smith, do I really care about two? like light heavyweights who are very mediocre i mean anthony smith had a good run i think it's name value here it is definitely is name value 100 percent. korean zombie has a big name anthony smith has a big name but i anthony smith is another guy who like if you look at his record he beat rashad evans and shogun hua when they were way past their prime to get to his title shot and it was like it was somewhat impressive that he beat uh vulcan uzdemir like he looked okay in these fights but He's never been the most impressive guy to me. And Ryan Spann is always just, like, up and down. He knocked out Dominic Reyes, but, like, who hasn't knocked out Dominic Reyes recently? Uh, that, so, that was so sad. He knocked, he knocked him out cold with a jab. A jab. Yeah. I mean, he spun his whole body around with a jab. But, yeah, so, you know, with all that being said, I just think that Blanchfield and Santos, way more... That should be the... That, that's a far that, more important fight, that's, too. Oh, super important for the division. Just a much more interesting matchup. It's a clash of styles. You got a very good striker versus a very good uh, wrestler and grappler, but both of them can do the other skills very well. So that's the thing. It, it's a great matchup. And then Giga and Caceres, if you want to see... If you love striking, if you want to see a beautiful striking matchup, watch Giga Chikatse and Alice Caceres. And the interesting thing about that one, too, is that Caceres... Caceres has sneaky jujitsu. His jujitsu is fantastic. That, that guy is a very solid grappler. And oh man, I just can't wait for those two fights. And then the co main and main event, I'm like, meh, you know. I mean, but I get it though. The name value, I do get it. I understand why they're doing it. This main card starts at 8 a.m. Yeah, that's another thing, man. It is such an early card. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hyped for it. I'm not going to lie. It's interesting. Wake up, make some breakfast, and yeah. watch UFC. Like, Put on the fight. Oh, well, I guess when the prelims start? By 6, I guess. 5 a.m. Oh, boy. Eastern. Oh, man. Man, if you live on the West Coast, I am sorry. At that point, you just have to stay up the whole night. You have to you know, go to bed at like 10, wake up again at you know 2 or something, yeah. get a little sleep. The Brits are amped. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good because I think we're very complacent. Like, we get so used we're to spoiled. the spoiled. Oh, we're so spoiled. Being at 8 and 10, 7 and 10... All this stuff. 9.30. You know, when we're watching it at this time, most other people in the world in big time zones are at like 2 in the morning or 5 in the morning. You know, it's yeah. not convenient for like, them. Like Till versus Wonder Boy, I'm pretty sure, was at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's like, crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Like who? And Yuri Prohaska versus uh, Glover Teixeira, that fight ended at like 1 in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> insane. Just insane. Like that's... Yeah, we're we're spoiled, Toby. We are so spoiled over here. West Coast people are even more spoiled, honestly. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, let's take a look at what's coming up. Um, I accidentally hit rankings again. Um, I'm just looking at Pantoja right now. What a what? Oh, a, we love Pantoja. We love Pantoja. What a dog, man. I still can't believe that people thought that Moreno won that fight. You know, like no. I love Brandon Moreno too, but man, he didn't that, win that fight. He did not win that fight. Um. They they need to book uh, Pereira versus Yuri ASAP. Yeah. I think, dude, that that end of year card is going to be insane if you think about it. So O'Malley wants to fight in December. Yuri wants to fight in December, and Alex wants to fight in December. Yeah. Volkanovski wants to fight in December. Well, and I mean, they got to throw Colby probably yeah. on a card somewhere. If they want to do Colby Leon, they're going to have to do it soon. Yeah, th I think they want it in MSG, but. According to Colby Covington, John Jones doesn't want me on the same fight card. I personally don't think John Jones even cares. Yeah, I don't think John Jones I think it's promotion. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe John really does care. I'm not sure. But I, I love Colby Covington talking about It's so funny. You know, once, you know, he was a great teammate, but once he started shooting up roids, man, it really just got, you know, yeah. terrible. He used to get this roid rage all the time. <laughs> what the hell? Colby's a, he's a funny guy, man. Yeah, I think phenomenal fighter. Um, I think his jiu-jitsu is un completely underrated. Um, but we'll see when he fights Leon Edwards. Um, yeah. He, and people are saying Bilal deserves it. No, he doesn't. Yeah, Bilal, man, he just... He's never done anything overly impressive in the UFC. He beat uh, Sean Brady by knockout. And it was a standing TKO. And it was a question... Uh, well, not questionable. But it was not the most emphatic standing TKO you'll ever see. And, we'll say that. And 
he couldn't beat Gilbert Burns, who's fighting with one arm. Yeah. One arm. And it was a jab hand, wasn't it? He yeah. couldn't even throw it. He couldn't throw it a jab. Yeah, I mean, the thing that most impresses me about Bilal is just the fact that he's won so many fights in a row. Yeah. Like, he knows how to win fights. He knows how to get ahead on the judges' scorecards. But he's never finishing guys yeah. in emphatic fashion. And Leon Edwards was doing terrible things to him yeah. before the eye poke. I, mean, I think, truthfully, the UFC just doesn't want a guy like that. It's like with Marab. They just don't want people like that to be champion because I'm not one to throw around boring, this and that. Bilal he's is boring. Not, he's a boring fighter. He's not an interesting fighter, okay? Even Marab, like... It's interesting that he shoots so many takedowns, but if you watch some of his fights, like his fight with Aldo, very boring. I mean, this guy, Bilal, man, he is not a fun guy to watch. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, he's kind of delusional too. Like, you know, I do this. I'm like, dude. And have you seen? Have you watched like the Wayne Show? He chooses like his friends for the list. I'm like, dude, come yeah. on, just just be objective. Come on, Bilal. But you know, Bilal's a solid Twitter follow. I'll say that he's he, a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Yeah. But Bilal, he's throwing a kick here and there. I man. mean, I, I would rather Bilal. I would rather see him as an analyst. Like no disrespect to he's, him. He's but a he's a, he's pretty a solid good, analyst. He's a pretty good analyst. So uh, I hope he gets a title shot eventually. I would just love to see him put a guy away and not like it, it was impressive. Don't get me wrong. You know, Sean Brady, obviously not the greatest striker, and he did standing TKO him. I mean, so, you know, it wasn't crazy or anything, but it was impressive. Sean Brady's grappling is on another level, though. I mean, he beat Craig Jones in a grappling match. Now, yeah. granted, there were no heel hooks, right. and Craig Jones' best move is a heel hook. Yeah. However, you don't do that to Craig Jones, and, and you're not... Craig Jones is phenomenal. I mean, look at what Volk has done. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's see what's coming up. So Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. Um, if you want to see some some something some atrocities, some human atrocities, some hate crime not hate crimes, but some uh, maybe Max will just try to outpoint him. Yeah. Go a little easy yeah. in this one. <laughs> war crimes. There we go. If we yeah. want to see some war crimes, that's gonna be terrible. Horrible guys. Terrible. Uh, not hate crimes. War crimes. But anyway, Gon versus Spivak next week. It's a fun one. Fun fight. Interesting. Certainly, it's intriguing to see. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Will God be able to deal with that? It's the Spivak's grappling is really good. Yeah. So and Gon's grappling is really really bad. I yeah. mean, you know, he seems like he's tried to improve a little bit, but that fight with Ngannou was really eye opening. And then now, don't get me wrong, John Jones, greatest fighter of all time, but the way that he just ran right through him and submitted him, I mean, there was no resistance from Cyril Gon. And he wasn't even defending the the choke well. He yeah. didn't he didn't keep his hand up or anything. He was trying to fight the hand, but it, and like when John Jones was throwing uppercuts from Mount, you 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 couldn't read that. I knew that's exact. I, I'm like he's gonna go guillotine again. Then he just you know two minutes four seconds and fights over. Yeah, he seems to. I don't know if he doesn't work his grappling, but he seems to be lost, just like completely lost when he gets on the ground. And it is kind of funny. Almost every bit of footage that I've ever seen of Cyril Gaon is just him striking. And it's like, yeah, we know you can strike. But He's the, you're the best striker in the division. It's like, why don't you just practice grappling more? Like, why don't we see any videos of him on the ground training jujitsu with some really high-level guy? I mean, John Jones, I mean, even outstruck him on the feet. I mean, yeah. I mean, But oh, yeah. then it's John Jones. Um, he's going to do terrible things to Stipe. I'm sorry. I think it's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be a, a real one-sided affair, I think. And, you know, you got Manon Fior versus uh, Nami Usus the Kome. You know, that's a fun one. Saint-Denis versus Tiago Moises. Yeah. Great fight. fight. Th fight. This card's great. That's a great... They always stack them pretty well when they go to Paris. Vulcan versus Azmat... Mer yeah, this is a, that's a fun... This is a fun card, guys. Um, the uh, prelims aren't great, but, you know, it is what it is. Um then uh, Adesanya versus Strickland. You know that card honestly is not it's looking not too good. great in my opinion. It, it's there's like, nine fights on the card. Yeah, for a pay per view, it's really late. I mean, for them to be just now making these fights official is like well, you probably should have been doing that a little while ago. But Adesanya and Strickland, I know that, I know that it's going to be interesting. The press conference. I'm just not really interested in that fight. I think it's going to be quite a lackluster. Like, pretty uneventful affair. Here's the thing. I think Sean Strickland's going to pressure. Yeah. And if you want to... It'll be... I don't think it'll be lackluster. Something to do with the fact... If you pressure Adesanya, you bring out an exciting fighter. Yeah. But here's the thing. 
What if Strickland decides to wrestle? His he out he out grappled Jack or Manson. That's what I this that's why I'm interested in this fight. Simply due to the fact that he uh, out grappled uh, Jack or Manson. It's it's intriguing. That's why I find it intriguing. And yes, the co-main is Tuivasa versus Volkov. Then you got um, Tafa versus Lane. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> but. All right, Malarkey versus John McDessie. That's if, a fun if you're, matchup. If you're yeah. a hardcore guy, that's a good fight. That's a that that's a really fun fight. That'll be a banger for sure. Um, oh, Blood Diamonds fighting. Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think Jack Jenkins is fighting. Yes, the le- leg kicker of the century. I Jack love Jenkins. Jack Jenkins. You know, I I just think with Adesanya and Strickland, I think that if Strickland does use the wrestling. I think it could be interesting. However, Strickland almost never uses his wrestling. He just, for whatever reason, chooses not to in most fights. And I also think that he knows what happened when he fought Alex Pereira. He got knocked out badly. And I think that he knows how good of a counter-striker Adesanya Obviously, you know, he knows how good of a counter-striker Adesanya is. I think he's just going to be pretty hesitant to move in and really put that pace on him. Because if he makes one mistake, he's going to end up like Aljo did against Sean O'Malley, and probably even worse because Adesanya is more powerful probably and just as accurate. So I think that, you know, the kicks, like the range, Adesanya, no one manages range like Israel Adesanya. He is so diverse. The front kicks to the body, the leg kicks, the spinning back kicks, the when he actually lets go and uses his full arsenal, this guy is yeah. the most diverse striker in, in the UFC. And so I think Strickland would just be pretty hesitant. Yeah. I agree, and then you got Olberg and Daun Jung. Um, yeah, that da, oh. when he got knocked out by Justin to Jacoby, that was yeah. Filthy. He got he got put out, man. He uh, recovered kind of fast though. Surprisingly, he fell like, with both his hands stretched out. Yeah, slammed the back of his head, and he did recover somewhat fast. So yeah, but shout Mark Goddard for stopping that one. Oh yeah, that definitely should have been um, stopped. Yeah. Then you got Grasso versus Shevchenko too. Um, for some reason, the Rock Mahal versus Gaslam fight is still on the website. Oh wow. Um, Calvin Gaslam, I'm just I gotta say this to you, big dog. Change your gym. No one should be throwing spinning back elbows. Um, no, that's crazy. And and sparring. Yeah, I mean, what are you like? Why would you even prepare for that? The the odds that someone throws a spinning back elbow in a fight is probably like less than five percent. Yeah, I mean, almost nobody throws. Like, yeah, I guess it's just not something you should train to avoid. Is my point. Yeah. Like, you could be like, okay, I got to work uh, to avoid the jab. Well, that makes sense because people throw jabs every single fight. Who throws spinning back elbows? Unless you're Ricardo Ramos, and then, yeah, I guess he does throw spinning Ricardo back elbows Ramos. in, like, every single fight. Or Molly McCann for a while. But other, <laughs> other than that, like, not not many people. Yeah. Um, you got Tracy Cortez and Jasmine Jesuda Vegas on that card. Um, Chris Curtis, the source loser in the UFC, going up against Fluffy Hernandez. That's a good matchup. I think that's a fun. If Fluffy gets a hold of him, it's over. Yeah, Fluffy is so good. His grappling is oh man. Who did who did he beat? He beat someone really impressed. He he subbed um, Hadolfo Vieira. Yeah, yes. Which if you don't know who Hadolfo Vieira is, he is um, I believe he's like a three time ADCC. Yeah, he's like a seven or eight time world champion. Not you know ADCC specifically. Yeah, might be like three times, but overall, man, yeah, he is a multiple time world champion. This is crazy. Okay. He won ADCC in Sao Paulo, and then he uh, won the World Championships in California five times. Wow. Uh, coming in silver and other times. Um, I mean, he was really gassed out in that fight. Like, he gassed harder than I've seen yeah. almost anybody ever gas. Uh, but still, to get subbed like that, I mean, that's really impressive for Fluffy. And then he um, won Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Many, many. Like, he, when it comes to Jiu-Jitsu, there's no one... There's, no one really better than this guy, guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's up there with one of the best of all time. Yep, and his, he has nine losses in grappling. That's it. Yep. Um, take a look. Marcus Almeida, great grappler. He's lost to him twice, three times, four. Wow, jeez. Five. <laughs> oh, man. This guy has his number, man. That's his kryptonite. Marcus Almeida is his kryptonite. Yeah, everybody has him. And he's also beaten Marcus Almeida as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. D- yeah. If 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 you get he, he got guillotined by Fluffy and Fluffy's really good man. Um, yeah, and Chris Curtis, 
he makes a lot of crucial mistakes in fights. Yes. <laughs> like, that's his biggest weakness, probably. I'm a fan of Chris Curtis. Uh, like, I really, maybe not as a person, you know, I don't really know him His too much fighting person, style is fun to his watch. His fighting style is very fun to watch. I think he has really nice, clean boxing, um, but he just makes a lot of crucial errors that cost him fights. Yes. He, that's actually a pretty perfect way to put it. He, in the uh, Jack or Manson fight, he never closed the distance. And he, he, you know, he's, you know, flipping the bird to um, Jack or Manson. It's just like, dude, you got pieced up yeah. by Jack or by Manson. Jack Manson who by Jack Hermanson. Not a Man- good striker. Although his striking looked oddly improved in that fight. Yeah. However, you well, got struck by Jack or Manson. Yeah. We, we know who Jack or Manson is. Yeah. If, like, come on. His MO is jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got Christos Yagos on there, Raul Rosas, Rodriguez, and, oh, Ponsonby. That's a certified banger. You know, there's going to be blood someone's probably getting put out in that yeah one. and then to round out september fazee versus gamera oh man yeah i keep forgetting about that one awesome fight people uh poop on matosh gamera i can't stand it yeah no i mean matosh gamera is always fun he is a one of the most relentless chain wrestlers in the whole ufc it's like kobe covington in that sense yeah, but maybe even more of a chain wrestler, to be honest. It's just that he gets dropped a lot. Like, that's the only thing that concerns me about Gamrot is that he's a bit chinny. Not that he gets finished all the time or anything, just that he gets dropped badly. Like, he got dropped really bad by Benil. He got dropped by Armand. He got, you know, yeah, he's just been dropped quite a few times. All right. On that Armin Sarukian fight versus Gamrot, if you guys want a full MMA fight where everything is involved, yeah, watch that fight. It's one of the best fights probably ever. Yeah, especially if you're really into the sport. It was awesome. But on that card, you got Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson Gomez. <laughs> the greatest female fighter of all time, you yeah. mean to say? Michelle Watterson Gomez? She has a better record against air than anybody. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. If it were a fainting competition, she would win. It, she's got, got good feints. If her opponent was oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide, if her opponent was the atmosphere, bro, over. Yeah, she just uh, doesn't really close distance very well. Her feints aren't, she doesn't use it well. She just throws them, and they look good. And, and, it's, it, like, and it's not like she's the distance between like you and I right here. Oh, yeah. She is 10, 15 feet away from her opponent. We're about five, six feet away from each other, but... She's 10 feet away from her opponent throwing, like, hip feints. I'm like, yeah, you're not really concerning anybody. <laughs> um, all right. She's Mo- tough, though. I'll give her that. Yeah. She's very she, tough. I can't stand when the commentator's like, we got to give this guy credit for his heart. I'm like, he's getting killed out there. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, they're talking about how tough Chris Weidman was. I'm like, do you just not see this dude get absolutely mollywopped? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, Mo Usman versus Jake Collier. Uh, Muhammad Usman is a that's, very uh, scary man. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, Malkoon's fighting a uh, Kazirov. Oh, I fought this. I saw this dude fighting uh, Columbus. Yeah, against uh, Tululin. I forgot I saw Tululin fight. Yeah, good old Tululin. Good old Tululin. And that was. I remember he got up on top of the cage and everybody went insane. Hikaru Hamas, Charles Jordan. Oh wow, fun matchup there. That is awesome. Uh, Miles Johns versus Dan Argetta. Fun fight. Uh, Ryan Battle versus AJ Fletcher. That's there's some bangers there. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige. I don't know how that goes. Interesting fight. But this one I'm excited for. Tim Means, Andre Fialio. Oh yeah, it's a good matchup. Good good matchmaking, I would say overall. Yeah, great matchmaking overall. I completely agree there. Um, we've been going an hour seven minutes, Toby. Whew. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it. That was a fun episode, man. Um, but yeah. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, that was about it. Um. The only thing I would add is people out there do not start disrespecting Aljo just because no. he lost the fight. Don't say, oh, Aljo's a bum. He was never good. He was very good. He, was, he is very good. He is a phenomenal He's a fighter. fighter. He's a great fighter. And same thing, don't take anything away. Both these guys are good. I mean, that's my main point. Both Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling, are, they deserve to be champion. They are both very, very good. That's they, all I'll say. Yeah, you make a good point there. They're phenomenal fighters, like through and through. Do not disrespect these guys um oh it's a fluke no it's not beautiful right hand um yeah so you know that'll do it for us guys on throwing hands um when we come back we have to uh preview um the funeral the funeral of korean zombie um yeah we're gonna give a eulogy i'm I'm like genuinely concerned for yourself like we'll get into that on thursday or whenever we record this we'll see you guys later peace